2: And I sit down and I have these little memories of my childhood and I'm like, okay, I would never go back to that. And it sort of puts things in perspective of where I want to go and what I want to do with my life.
1: Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. Today on the show, we have the very lovely, very bubbly Brooke Blurton. You may remember Brooke from her time on The Bachelor and The Bachelor in Paradise, but in truth, Brooke's story is about far more than her short foray on reality TV. Given this week is NAIDOC week, feels more than fitting that our conversation with Brooke covers her childhood, her identity, and her love of her job as a youth worker. Here's Brooke. Brooke, welcome to Shameless In Conversation. How are you, girls? How are you? We are very good. I have to say, this was a long time coming to try and get you on the show. Not only were we talking about it, everybody on our Facebook was asking about it, so I am so glad we've got the time to actually sit down with you. Yeah, honestly, when
2: I saw how crazy the girls were, I was like, I have to go on it. And yeah. Plus, I've been dying to
1: meet you guys as well. So. Aww, that thanks. is very sweet. We start every episode in the same way, and we start by asking you if there's anything you are reading, watching, or listening to at the moment that you would recommend. I can see your mind ticking over now, yes. like, is there- <laughs> Um there?
2: Reading, I think I probably should do, like everyone else, um, a lot more. I'm probably reading something really personal at the moment and quite interesting sitting on my bedside. It's a book that I was given by a relative of mine, and it's called The Invincibles, and- and it's basically my great-great-great-grandfather who was part of the first Aboriginal cricket team and how good he was at cricket but also good at AFL as well. So um, I sort of started reading that, so I need to finish it. Wow. It's, yeah, So it's really quite personal, but it's... Yeah, something that I've been so interested in finding out a little bit more about my family. So it was really nice.
0: Do you listen to podcasts very much?
2: Yeah, I do. So I listen to, obviously. Oh,
0: you don't need to say that. (laughs) Um, I'm
2: getting on the kick pod. Loving that. Um, And I also listen to Katie Willie. Yes. I think she's like the most amazing person. Well, she's got health and wellness. I have you? a serious woman crush every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can
2: go on that podcast next. You can listen to it. Brooke,
0: tell us what you were like as a kid. What was your
2: childhood like? Oh, My childhood was a little bit unusual than most, I would say. I, I guess I grew up in a country town with four other siblings. So there's five of us. We all shared the same mum but different dads but we're pretty much, we call each other brother and sister, like no matter if we're half or quarter or whatever you want to call it. So my childhood was pretty much, I was like the rock or the carer in the family. So my nan lived with us. Our house was quite overcrowded. So there was five of us kids. There was my mum. there was my nan, my mum's boyfriend, and then my my uncle or someone in the house. So our house was pretty full on. We kind of struggled quite a bit. Um, We didn't, have a lot but we sort of made what we made of what we did have mm. um, my mum she was so she sort of went on and off drugs occasions like it was I'd say on and off because sometimes she would get really good and sometimes get really bad
0: and I just remember it being okay at times and then not so much how old were you at this point like what is it like realizing that your mum has a drug problem while you're growing up for you it's actually like the norm you kind of just see it and
2: you know what it what it is and what it's for. Like, you know, you're not silly. Like I could tell you some stories and it would probably like be really quite emotional. But that's the stuff that I was kind of exposed to and I didn't have a choice. Like it just was just really became the norm for me. But I knew and in my heart not everyone was going through this as much as it was normal for my family or like in the household I
1: knew that not
2: everyone's mum or dad
1: did this. So what was your personality like as a child with all of this going on? You said you were the carer. Mm-hmm. Is that because you think you were innately more caring or empathetic as a child? Like, what were you like
2: in or those years? Were you years? just the
0: oldest? What was it?
2: I'm actually the middle child on my mum's side and dad's I'm second oldest. But I think because I had to grow up quite quickly and... I think as soon as I came out, it was, like, game on. Like, my life was just crazy hectic. But as a kid, I was always so – I guess just I loved my brothers and sister. Like, I had, an, I have an older sister and even her. Like, I absolutely adored her and um, she wasn't in the house that much. So it was just me and my brothers. So so I got two younger brothers and then an older. But I just became, like, the person that sort of held us together, you know, made sure that my brothers were okay, you know, whatever they needed. Like, I just did. And – everything that was happening I was probably like quite inquisitive like I was always really loved going to school like I loved learning like I knew that I would always work somewhat in educating or or something like that because that's what I used to do when I'd go to school I'd come home and I'd teach my brother something you know like I was so excited about coming home and teaching him that he'd something he didn't know so I just knew that I was just like a carer, I was the, pretty much the rock between my like for my family because no one else really could take on that role, um, and I just sort of naturally adapted the.
1: When your mum is going on and off <coughs> drugs, and you've got the good times and you've got the harder times, when you are that young, is there any kind of resentment there? Is there anger there, or is it just sort of going through the motions and maybe the rest of it comes later?
2: I, I never have resented or have been angry at my mum, obviously. Obviously, she's not here now, so it's kind of like <laughs> there's no point being angry. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I was probably my mum's twin, like, to, to a T. Like, as a young girl, like, I remember having fights with my mum, and my mum would only ever get emotional at us fighting because she knew that I was right. And, like, as a young kid, you're like, I'm never right. But, like, now I look back at it and, I'm like, she just – I think she saw so much of herself in me. And it's so unusual to say that. Like, it gives me sort of goosebumps. But I've always loved her and adored her, like, no matter what time we were in. And I knew that she was always trying so hard for us and to try and give us the best that she could. But I think just because of the circumstances and where we lived and what we really potentially had, she just really couldn't. She tried to work. And then I think she, I think my mum went through an ongoing battle, like, with herself. And I think that's why she really struggled with everything really, like life, um, having five kids, being pretty much by yourself most of the time. She was really close to my grandmother. So when my ma- grandmother got sick, I think that was like a pivotal moment for my mum that she kind of gave up. And like broke her. Yeah, they were super close. You have no, like, no idea how close they were. Like I was really close with my nana more than my mum in some ways, but they were just pretty much linked
0: and you lost your nana and your mum within kind of like a month of each other, right? They both yeah. died very closely together. What was that time of your life like? You were eleven.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, it all sort of happened within. A couple of months so my nana actually had a stroke watering her garden and I was 11 and I actually was the one that called the ambulance so I saw her uh, so when you see a stroke you see half their face drooping, and I could I still picture the moment and I automatically rang the ambulance and she got transferred from the hospital that we were at in the country town down to Perth and then it all sort of happened from there so she was in Perth sick we came down from Carnarvon and visited her and we sort of said her goodbyes because she wasn't going to make it through. Mum was still alive, so we drove back up to Carnarvon as a family, like six in the car, and I remember having a chat with my mum because it was close to my youngest brother's birthday. He was only three and saying, you can't go. Like he, She wanted to come back down to Perth. So it's a little bit of a long story, but I'm trying to compress it as much as I can. But um, he was only three and it was his coming upcoming birthday and – she was going to come back down to Perth to visit my nan and I sort of said, well, he really needs you. He's only three. Like, why do you need to go? And I was only 11, so I was a bit of a bitch. No,
0: but also for you to even be the one who's considering that says a lot, I think. That that was even a conversation where you had to bring that up.
2: I Honestly, it's so weird that I just remember the exact same conversation because it was actually the last time that I actually got to speak with my mum and it wasn't a nice conversation. Like, I feel so much – for a very long time I felt really – Um, upset or angry about not being nice to her in that conversation but I kind of had closure with it because I just knew that it couldn't have changed her mind anyways if that makes sense so yeah having this conversation she still drove she went, went by herself so this was really a bit of a concern driving from Carnarvon to Perth isn't easy it's a nine and a half hour drive and doing it by yourself I guess it's a little bit more risk like it's A long, long drive and you don't really stop if you're by yourself. Yeah, and you could doze off. Exactly. So for her to leave by herself was a bit strange. I mean, I kind of – it sort of all went downhill from there. We didn't hear from her. She went sort of off the grid and then the next call we're getting or the next sort of pretty much basically the day that she passed – everyone had rocked up into our house. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a bit of a blur from that moment. But I just remember they're all coming to my house and telling me that mum passed away. And originally they had said car accident, like it had been an accident. Okay, we thought it's an accident, like she didn't mean to leave us. Um, That sort of created a lot of confusion for me. But yeah, and then a month later, my nana passed away. And I think, I think she just sort of gave up in the end. She was sick and then she found out that my mum passed away. She kind of just was like, it's sort of my time. Oh, so. Look,
0: I'm so sorry. That sounds like, like so much stuff going on at once when you're so yeah. young.
2: It was, cra- it was a really honestly crazy and emotional time and I don't even know as an 11-year-old how I even dealt with it and I remember like my brother crying, like distraught crying as soon as he heard that my mum passed and all I can remember is being like completely like – Like in a trance, like it was unusual. I was just like, I can't believe this is even happening. And then my brother was just like, he's only, he was only eight at the time. So he was like, mum was everything for him. So I just remember just having to take care of him and like put him first. And yeah, he, and you know, I had a three-year-old brother as well, who luckily mum's recent boyfriend was his father. So he was still around.
1: Thank God. So you're 11 and you just lose like the two closest people in your life. What, what do you do from there? Where do you go? Um, Yeah. Uh, you know what? We were actually in the house for two weeks before we
2: even – so the funeral was quite late. It took a while for us to even get mum's body. Like, it's so unusual to say that. But the funeral was just a disaster. It had been, like, such a – yeah. But – I had never been to a funeral before my mum's was my first uh, and as an 11 year old you don't even really know how these formalities like bloody happen so we were just kind of pushed everywhere everywhere like you know people families were dragging us everywhere hugging us and it was just kind of like overwhelming and then from there we were like all in the house still like in our family house by ourselves like no one was looking after us which is do you look back on that and think how did that happen yes well, like i'm like Who now people, you know, you have this profile and people are like, oh, yeah, you're my family, like, you're my relative, and all these people sort of come out of the woodwork. And you're like, "Mm, okay, well, when we were there in our house by ourselves for two weeks, where we, like, I'm not holding any resentment, but that's just,
0: that's just like, but you were 11. Yes. And who else was there? So you're 11 and you're there, your eight year old brother, your three year old brother, who else?
2: Yeah. So myself, my youngest brother, eight, my youngest brother, three. I also had an older brother who was. He was four years older than me. So, yeah, 15, 16. And then my mum's boyfriend, who was the father of my youngest brother, he was around, but he's actually Bosnian, like Croatian. So (laughs) his second language is English. Like his first language is obviously... Croatian or something so he's very he didn't really understand everything he didn't understand our culture he didn't understand like what was happening like he just understood that he had a baby with my my mum so he was very like sorry that's just like real facts (laughs) about it like I can't deny it and then we practically stayed with our neighbours our neighbours were sort of like family not blood relatives but you know they had younger kids who we used to play with and everything so we just they just looked after us up until pretty much. I I remember this day as well, so clear. So my mum's f- wake after her funeral. it was kind of like you know everyone's getting drunk I. Guess you know it's messy day sorry that's so raw but you know everyone's drunk and I remember like falling asleep in my neighbor's house the room I won't go to it because that part of the story is really raw but I remember afterwards being really upset and finding my dad's number in the phone book do you remember like having literally those thick phone books and looking up his name and his partner's name who I know so I looked up both of their names and then found them and called them and my dad answered and I was like dad you need to come get me and he was in Perth so my dad lived in Perth and I could hear my stepmom in the background being like yes like there's something wrong you need to go get her so he drove 10 hours that night and picked me up the next day and I left in the middle of the night without saying goodbye to anyone without saying goodbye to my siblings my younger brother Troy now to this day like literally holds like a little bit of resent because I left in the middle of the night without saying goodbye so he, like, says the jokes. Jokingly, he says, "Or oh, I have a touch. Like, what is it? Abandonment issues. But he only jokes about it. But I feel still horrible and guilty about it. But, yeah, in that moment, like, it's survival mode. You're sort of like, I just need to do what I need to do and what else is there?
1: What was your relationship with your dad like then?
2: It's really hard to explain. So my dad lived in Perth and we lived in Carnarvon. And my mum would drop me off at my dad's occasionally and then just come back whenever so my dad was like left with me and been like what do I do with this girl do I put her in school like it's school times you know is she staying here She living here like what is she doing and then my mum would come up and just take me so for us it was kind of like on and off like our relationship was just on my mum's terms in a way but you know there were times where he you know tried to fight for custody for me and like automatically I was like no I want to be with mum like I don't want to be with you. But I love my dad. Like, our relationship is very mutual in terms of, like, I just don't think my dad was meant to be a dad. And that's the honest truth because I've seen it with all my other siblings that my dad, you know, his children, I've seen the same thing happen with me with them. But I, I you know, love and respect him. Like, he's still my father. But I feel like I got to a point in my life that, you know, it's pretty harsh. But I was like, I don't really need a dad. Like, I have someone in my life who's actually a similar to a dad figure for me. And I think that's all I really need. Like my dad wasn't a dad when I needed him. He wasn't that nurturing. He didn't teach me those, you know, loving way, like dad ways, but I had someone who sort of replaced that in a way, which is actually another long story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's kind of spooky how this other man, he's my pop, I call him, but his name's Peter, how he came into my life. And, um, I believe that my mom actually sent him so it's really unusual. He actually used to look after my mum when she was younger, and then I don't know he's sort of randomly got in contact with me, and then he the one that sort of teaches me that like nurturing love like wow. yeah it's cra- it has been a crazy like, <laughs> like it's not the typical family story no, and like people always look at me and just you know stereotypical oh, you shouldn't have said mum Dad or like you know fine, but when people actually get to know me, like my life is completely like. So unusual and different. In a, in a like, I, I, I'm not ashamed of it at all. Like I just you know take it as it is. But I think you know everyone has a story.
1: Like oh, um, completely. Yours is a little bit more unique than the average one, which makes me wonder how do you stay grounded? Like how do you kind of pull yourself out of that and become who you are now?
0: Like who you are sitting in front of us? Because lots of people with your circumstances would have potentially gone down the same path that your mum went down for example they wouldn't be sitting here doing the things you're doing looking the way you're looking like (laughs) living the life that you are so what is it about you that means that you can do that
2: I really honestly stay grounded because I remind myself of where I've come from and I sit down and I have these little memories of my childhood and I'm like okay I would never go back to that and it sort of put things in perspective of where I want to go and what I want to do with my life. I've always wanted to, you know, work with young people. It's something that I naturally built because that was my role in my family. I was a carer. I, like, did everything for them. So I feel like things have happened in my life to lead me to what I'm doing now. And I, you know, everyone has, like, some purpose in life. And my purpose really was to educate and spend time with young people that uh, have gone through similar experiences. And, you know, what? my day spending time with these young people that are at risk and disengaged and you know lots of stuff happening in their families it's a constant reminder for me that yeah I had it hard but these young people have it harder and every day is just a reminder of like everything that they've gone through I've probably gone through a similar experience so I feel like my job is sort of a massive component of how I stay sort of motivated or like inspired because yeah, I just want to see these young people flourish and bloom and like do all the wonderful things that I get to do now because they have so much potential to do that. They just need that one person that believed in them. And luckily for me, I had a lot of outside people, not family, that were so... I guess you know when they heard my story they were like you know she has potential and believed in me and really like encouraged me to do things and really bent over backwards to get me to do like you know in school and everything so I was really lucky because I had these really strong mentors but you know these other young people don't have that
0: and Mm. you're like the next best thing for them really. Brooke how does someone like you with your background end up on The Bachelor? Yeah, unusual, right? I mean, it doesn't seem
2: like the next step
1: in this story, but it no, is. No,
2: because I had to grow up quickly, I've always been really set and I know what I want and it's so unusual because, you know, I filter out the bullshit. Once you get rid of the bullshit, like, you can figure out the direct path that you want to go and I know how corny and
1: Not <laughs> so long. silly
2: that sounds. But with love, I feel like I saw in my life what I did didn't want. And that filtered out the bullshit for me. So when I know I'm not going to connect with a guy or a girl in that way, there's no point in pursuing the relationship if it's just not there and you just like know that that person's not right for you. Mm. When The Bachelor came about, it was a bit of a piss take doing the application, you know, a couple of red wines in. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the <laughs> norm with for a lot house. of girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing it with
0: your girlfriends yeah.
2: or something. I know. And it sounds so silly, but it was actually the, the moment like I was, you know, with my housemate and couple of red wines and I was like, stuff it, why not? And I was really young and I was like, they won't accept me anyways because I'm too young. And I had that sort of attitude towards it. But when it came to actually finding love, I was like, I really like the certainty around The Bachelor or whoever it is. That he wants to find love, like he's at that point I in time. Sure. <laughs> Sorry,
0: we're meant right? to laugh in this scenario.
2: <laughs> he's meant to
0: be yeah. <laughs> at that right
2: point of finding someone and settling down. And I feel like I just, I just really wanted someone who was my rock and someone who really supported me and backed me and everything that I do. Because, you know, I've had people that believe in me and everything, but I wanted a relationship where I could, you know, be on the same team as someone. So yeah. I, So cliche, but I was really honestly looking for love. I never bullshitted around it. I was actually generally applying for the show because I wanted to find someone. And that's the difference between myself and Nick Cummings.
1: (laughs) Coming up after the break, Brooke introduces us to her wonderful new boyfriend. But for now, here's a word from our sponsors. How did you genuinely feel about him in those kind of early few weeks of the show? What were you sensing from him? I mean, you say you were quite emotionally intelligent. You can read scenarios. Could you read him as well as you would hope
2: you would? Yes, but I was in denial. Of course you would be, though, wouldn't you? You're like... So wrapped up in that moment and you're – my whole life has led to this moment of finding someone. For me, it was – from the start, it was game on because I had obviously received a key, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, he's got an instant connection with me. This is weird. And um, I hadn't said much. So, you know, I was kind of like confused because I was like, I don't know – (laughs) <laughs> What's Why? Yeah, he doesn't don't know, know me yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was nice. Like we had a good chat, but I was just myself. And down the line, you know, weeks go on. You, you do feel strong, strongly, because he's your main focus. Like he's like the
0: be and end all, almost and, like godlike, right? Like right. everyone's pining for this one dirty head rugby player,
2: exactly. And I, when I was going into the experience, I was like, no footy boys. Like that was like simply my thing. And then I, you know, get him and I had no idea that he was played rugby. And I was like, look like a big idiot because I come in with a football and a rugby ball. And I was like, oh, ironic. <laughs> and I can see why they were so persistent about it. And, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, you know, he's a football. I was a little bit hesitant because I have had dated, you know, football players. They're just ridiculously, not just making huge assumptions, but they're all. Knobheads. <laughs>
1: they're all knobheads. <laughs> Straight from the mouth of Brook. I yeah. love oh, it. a little snippet yeah. the b- at the beginning
0: of the episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I've, you know, had my time. Like, I yeah. play footy and I see them quite occasionally and, you know, have had experience dating them for, you know, two. Like, they're my two boyfriends have been footballers and I've been like, I'm staying away from them. Yeah. So, you know, bad experience. But I saw him and I was like, oh, great. Like, Cool, and he was cute, and I was, you know, the hair and everything was doing it for me at the time because you're so wrapped up in it. But along the lines, it got to a point where I was like, I don't think this guy is going to pick anyone, and I was just like, blankly, like in denial for my, to myself because I was like, no, he's got to pick someone. Like, That's how the show. bachelor. <laughs> exactly. What made you think that? There were instances where. Uh, Bas- like basically, as soon as the cameras on, he's on, and I'm not. I'm not going to protect him or you know be like, oh, you know, he was so sweet, he was lovely, blah blah blah. He was, but there were moments where I was like, you are such an actor, really. Like he just puts it on hard. It's so unusual because I talk to people now, and it's like so. It's so. It's such a confusing time for me, but he says different things to different people to send messages to me in terms of, like, I really cared for you. And it's like, no, <laughs> no you can't do that. Like, it, it when the show ended, it confused the hell out of me. Do you think that it was going to be you, that he was going to pick you? 100% yeah. thought it was going to be me to our last date.
0: And he actually, what, turned the microphones off mm. and told you I'm not picking anyone.
2: Yeah. So last date, rocks up on a motorbike, picks me up, I'm excited. I haven't seen him for a week because we just done home visits and he had to go do the other g- dates with the girls. I hadn't seen him for a week of since doing home visits. And I was kind of concerned how that went, but <laughs> I, that's just me being emotional. But um, we went on our date and we're on the motorbike and he kind of like dro- stopped the GoPros. Held my mic like I was having to, having to hold my mic against him, so then the sound obviously wouldn't go through. And then he held his, and he's kind of like driving, but is mimicking like three zero me zero. Like he's pretty much doing these finger movements with his hands. I oh, know, so confusing at the time. I was like what is this guy trying to say and he was practically like he was saying at the end of this and you know he was telling me vocally but it's so hard with the motorbike but he was saying at the end of this he, he's not going to pick anyone like him zero like he's not going to end up with anyone so in that moment you're like one of three of the girls that he's got and you're like what, what do I do like I'm one of those three. If you're not going to pick anyone, that means you're not going to pick me. So why are we going to go on this date if you're not going to pick anyone? And I had to continue the date still. And, like, I got off the motorbike and I was talking to my minder and I was like, I'm so, I'm so confused. And I couldn't tell her because I couldn't trust anyone. Yeah. So in that moment you're like, what am I doing? You're literally rattled. And I'm trying to think about, like, do I leave? Like, what do I do? I was ho- In my mind, like, this is how like – sad and like I would never let myself get to this point ever again in my life but I was like even like holding on to the little bit of hope that he would still pick me regardless of what he said Mm -hmm. like I was like still like oh it'll be me it'll be fine like he'll change his mind I'll change his mind in this date and I like threw everything at him and in ways of like I was trying to do everything to to win him over. Like, it's
1: really sad.
0: I hate that, that I can say though. that. It's not sad, though. It's but so
1: natural and so normal.
2: Well, you've
0: wasted your time, right? Yeah. Like, you've gone on this thing, you've, put, you've pressed pause on everything else in your life to pursue something with a guy that you would presume would be ready for a romantic relationship. And the caliber of girls on that show, like, the top three were all incredible women If he's not going to pick out of that, he's clearly not fucking ready for a relationship and he's wasted all of your time.
2: 100%.
0: What she said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Back you. (laughs) That would have been so frustrating.
2: Yeah. It honestly was. In that moment, I know he was really struggling with the whole production thing. Like, this is my empath coming through because I'm like still like, he was going through a hard time. Don't go on a TV show.
0: Yeah. Don't be paid. What was it? I think it was like $250,000.
1: I think it was even a bit more. There you (sighs) go. I think it was like half. Oh my like god, god! Maybe, yes. yeah. I think for I a lot of people, that's where the issue comes into play. Is because uh, I, I don't know. We're you much can accept
0: the paycheck. Yeah,
1: we're much harsher on this than maybe you are, because you were in it and you can kind of be a bit more empathetic. But even still, were you angry when you came home?
2: Yes, I, I really was, because after the show, it didn't stop there. It kept he the confusion from him kept coming. So, so the what, messages. Messaging? messaging, yes. like so it's, it's I, don't know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say but I don't care. Say like whatever you want.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so from the show finishing got home and I was like emotional wreck. I was like I need to see family, I need to be surrounded, like I need to be grounded again. I completely felt scattered and filming continued for a week on until I left and then I, as soon as he probably landed in Australia or because they went to New New I think as soon as he landed in Australia and got his phone back and everything, he messaged me being like, this show didn't end the way that it like would have ended or something, you know, quite cryptic. cryptic. And I was like, what do you mean, bro? I, we were messaging, but we weren't even messaging like normal text messaging. It was like Instagram photo. So there was no proof that I, he had it said anything to me because it was through photos. You know how, like, on yeah, Instagram. They disappear. Yeah. You send a photo, it disappears. So and a it just photo says was photo. Text? Yes. I know. That's worse than Snapchat conversations that, that is, disappear, right? He is a trained master at
0: this, clearly, to hey, go to that. This is not and, the first
2: time he's done it. And I'm so oblivious at this time. And I'm like, just like just,
0: why is he sending me photos?
2: <laughs> And it would just be really weird weird photos as well. Like, yeah, it's like text. It was so weird. Anyways, it was so strange. And, you know, we're messaging and I, idiotically, as soon as he sent that message, the first thing I asked was, are you okay? I still in that time, even though he'd gone to the finale with these girls, didn't know what happened, he could have been with someone, I was like, still, are you okay? Like, I was still worried about his Mm. well-being and his, like, mental space. Uh, mental space because in that I knew like the pressure of that production, but I was still like, no, like when I clicked and I was like, you didn't pick anyone, hands up in the air, like I give up. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that can be done. Here. I was just hoping that he would at least pick one of those beautiful yeah. girls. Like I was so heartbroken when I didn't get a chance to tell them what he had told me because I felt like get out, <laughs> get out now what you can. But the production knew very well to keep us from very – Far apart, yeah. So that they wouldn't happen.
1: I wanted to pivot a little bit away from the drama of The Bachelor and talk yeah. about how, I mean, still talking about the show, but you made your Aboriginality very clear and very public. You were wearing, um, you know, the Aboriginal flag on your t shirt and a mm. very mainstream primetime television show. And I imagine that was quite deliberate. Oh, 100%. Talk us through <laughs> that process too, because you were thinking, I'm sure I'm here to find love, but also there's there's got to be a greater, more mainstream purpose for me being here too, which is showing the people about you and your culture and, and all of the yeah. things, right? That's what I pretty much told production. I said,
2: look, you know, I come from a very strong Aboriginal heritage and I knew 100% that I was going to be the first Aboriginal contestant. Like I just kind of knew that. And people were back me in this, but that shirt that I wore is like my favourite shirt. Like I wear that practically everywhere. So it wasn't like a statement Is like, hey, like, I'm wearing it just for this I moment. This. Yeah. yeah. Channel 10. Yeah. Exactly. I wear that all the time. And, like, I wore a couple of different outfits. Like, I wore it with overalls. Like, I wore it with something else. So it was just for me. Like, it's just a normal T-shirt that I put on that I love and adore. And lucky, it just, like, it just represents me in just one whole person mm. when I put that on. Mm. But, yeah, you're you're right. So I was like, why, why can't I wear this? And even if they turned around and said, oh, look, you can't wear that. I would have have left. I would have been like, screw you guys. I'm not here. Like, I can't wear a shirt with my flag on it. It'd just be like anyone else wearing a shirt on their flag. Are they allowed to do it? Yeah. So I knew that they'd have no problem with it, but I was also, like, super proud to do it. That was just the main thing was, like, I need – I am the one, probably the only Aboriginal contestant so far. Why can't I? Yeah. Anyways.
0: And I love that that's what people know you for as well, though, that you are such a proud Aboriginal woman. And you have no shame in sharing your full story and where you come from because it's refreshing on a show where we get a whole bunch of white women and we say this is two white women, Zara. But there's not much diversity on that show ever. So for you to come out and almost make that a statement at the same time is really refreshing.
2: Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I think the show has gotten better with it. I think there was a little bit of diversity. You know, myself, Vanessa Sunshine, mm-hmm. today was, she's from a Greek background, So, and there was a Macedonian girl. And I feel like that's some, somewhat in the right direction, but they still have a long way to go. That's and I feel right. maybe this bachelor will be a lo- little bit better ah. from what I've seen on the ads. And I think ours maybe would have been a little bit of a tester, but that shouldn't, have, that shouldn't be the case, mm-hmm. right? There should be just... They should be picking girls from all different cultures and and diversity. So I'm glad to be a part of that movement, 100%.
1: The other storyline that you were pretty heavily involved in or that they wrapped around you was when you were having a conversation with Nick Cummins and saying, look, I dated women before I came on here and there was a real sense in a conversation around that conversation that they were kind of queer baiting you and have in Bachelor in Paradise as well. I mean, how did you feel about that? Because that's a whole lot of people having a conversation about you. Mm. How do you feel about it and what they did? I was really worried that it
2: was going to be that exact thing, same thing, queer baiting to the T. Yeah. But the thing is with me, I was just so honest and transparent. I, in that moment when I was talking to Nick, it was so honest and comfortable. It was just a conversation that we were having. And I'm still not sort of happy how it sort of played out. But, you know, you let it
1: go because... Played know. out with him or played out with Channel 10? Just
2: played out how I was talking. Yeah. It made it feel like I was really uncomfortable. But the in- to provide a little bit of context, I was uncomfortable because some of the girls in the house said, "Oh, Nick needs to know." I know. Mm. And I got real like my back up against the wall like with some of the girls because I was like that is something I need to tell him and if I feel comfortable with telling him, yes. Even though like I'm completely an honest person, there would be no reason like for me not to tell him. Um, And some girls like, you know, took it upon themselves to be like, well, he needs to know, blah, blah, blah. Like you've dated women. Yeah, and I was completely – a secret
0: history, bro. All the skeletons in those closets. (sighs) So many.
2: So, yeah, in that time I was kind of like I've – felt really, un- you know, I'm, I'm kind of, like, overwhelmed because I'm, like, I'm feeling really uncomfortable because these girls have made me feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, well, they've made it out to be a bigger deal than what it is. Like, it shouldn't have to be exactly. this hidden secret like they teased out in the promos and in the ads leading up to the episode. What's like Brooke's big secret? I'm like, I still remember. Such a secret, Brooke.
2: <laughs> this show is ridiculous in some points because I have no secrets. I'm the most transparent and honest. But I'll literally tell you what I ate for breakfast. like. Yeah. I don't hide anything and this show has made me out to be like dropping bombshells, <laughs> having yeah. secrets. The queen of drama. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I'm so far from that. Like it's so... why I don't know why they do it. But um, yeah, that conversation with Nick, it was very comfortable. They made it to be uncomfortable. I was always concerned that I was just going to be that, you know, token bisexual girl that they put, you know, in this box. And then paradise came about Mm. and i had a feeling that they were planning something Mm. but i actually took control of it probably a little bit better than i did with the bachelor Mm. i liked alex like alex nation um and i wanted to get to know her but i was very precise in saying i was curious about her and i wanted to know there was a mutual respect in terms of like both
0: of us have had relationships with women, I wasn't like... So it wasn't like you went in there being like, I'm set on Alex. You were just simply wanting to get to know her.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily for them, I was more interested in American Alex and everything that I probably had said about American Alex they used for Alex Nation. Oh. So I was like, yeah, I'm really interested in Alex, you know, like oh. So
1: they, yeah. Ah, sneaky. Ha, ha. Sneaky. <laughs> what made you want to go back? And I think that's maybe a question you've been hearing a lot. What, make, what makes you want to do another reality show after a reality show that was very public and didn't end that well?
2: Well, as soon as I was walking out from The Bachelor with Nick, they had asked me straight away, would you do Paradise? And in that moment, I was like, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why are they asking?" Anyways, so down the line, they are continuing to ask me. And they asked me about four times until the last time I was like, okay, they've asked me, I'm not dating anyone, why not? Mm. And I was really interested in just, I guess, seeing and meeting the other contestants. You know, you sort of see them in the media and I was like, you know, why not? I know from uh, going into it, I knew that I wasn't going to connect with any of them or I wasn't going to come out in in a relationship. I just kind of knew that. And I'm just being honest, you know, well why, to go, why did you need to go on the show? Yeah. Well, I always use the whole thing, you know, when you fall off a horse, you jump back on. Mm. But it was really, really one of those moments. I was like, okay, I've done this. The first time wasn't good. Maybe the second time would be fine. But then I was like, in my heart, I was like, no, you cannot fall in love in four weeks. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> you're saying that because you're looking at your now boyfriend <laughs> And I think it is our public duty to say he has been in here the entire time Very since quiet and o-
1: nodding along <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I think it's our public duty to ask you about your relationship Do you want to introduce the listeners to your boyfriend? I actually might move my microphone over We might get both of you to tell us about your love <laughs> well, Nick story Nick is like, what have oh, I, I, I come it. in here for? Actually, if <laughs> I want oh, to go on. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> And we're <laughs> both <laughs>
2: like, yeah, bloody Zara I and I will fun. share a
0: microphone now uh-huh. <laughs>
1: So tell us, you came out of Paradise, you yes. were telling us to earlier, you guys met at the Polo. How has the time been in the, the kind of November to, you know, the show being aired and you can come out? How was that time sort of having that relationship under wraps?
2: Pretty hard, I guess. So we met just as pretty much after I'd filmed and I, you know, had it in the back of my mind and just so, you know, happened that, you know, we crossed paths at the polo and then from that moment, like, we were literally inseparable. It's so unusual, like, telling the story because it sounds like we've been together for so long, but it hasn't, but it kind of has. No, wait, four or five months. So up until, I guess, Bachelor aired, Bachelor in Paradise, we had to keep it all secret. Mm. Like we, I, we would be walking in public, and he'd get sort of mad at me. I was like, no PDA because we had to like look, <laughs> <laughs> because we'd have to like look like we're just like walking together. But people knew yeah. we were together with our friends and family. Like they knew t- we were together because yeah. it came at Christmas time. It was New Year's Christmas time. He spent time with me, and I spent time with his family. So you know, we still had those relationship things. things. Yeah. Um, And still could do those things, but it was just all in private.
3: Yeah, I didn't mind so much. I mean, I I became a very good Instagram boyfriend. (laughs) Like
2: (laughs) that. Yeah, everyone's Uh, like, "Who's taking these good photos of you?" Yeah, that's
3: right. (laughs) You know, they don't miraculously make themselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell you what, there's good money in that and good career. You, well, you can take it.
3: That's right. I've got a full-time one now. So.
1: <laughs> you guys are very clearly in love. Like it's, We saw it on the show when the reunion special aired. You can see it right now. I mean, can I ask a really dumb and embarrassing question? But it is, like, what do you really love about each other? Because you've clearly found it very quickly and you didn't find it on reality show. You found it with someone that you met six years ago at work. Mm-hmm. What is it about each other that you get along with really well?
3: I, I think I fell in love with Brooke uh, in many different stages. I suppose.
0: By the way, you're the first man we've ever
3: had on this podcast. Oh, right so I'm just realising. <laughs> <Nick.
0: laughs> Congratulations, Nick. Sorry, what were you saying <laughs> about Brooke? You love Brooke. <laughs> 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 love it a
3: piece. Oh, wow. I, you know, because we met six years ago, I guess the love is, uh, you know, it evolved in different ways. So we kind of connected six years ago um, in a very, uh, I guess, um, with without too much depth at that time, um, you know, we, we used to cross paths, I used to go out of my way to go and you know, to go and interact with her, and I had a big, massive crush on her. So, oh. <laughs> um, but then we—I guess our worlds just never, never crossed for um, for six years, and then we bumped into each other again. And then since that time, it's just been an absolute rollercoaster. It's been stop and I think in I've,
2: a good way. In it, a great way. <laughs> in a great way.
3: But then I got to go. I got to know the, the true Brooke, right? I get to know what <clears> your listeners heard today. So. You know, I sit here. I sit quietly in the room, but I absolutely fall in love with you every oh. single time. <laughs> like every time I hear your story, you know. And, yeah, yeah you <laughs> know, because I, I love the person that you are. I love the strength that you've got, right? And I love that you, no matter what, like through the through the the challenges. I'm going to cry here in a minute. No. <laughs> I love that
2: we're so soppy. Like I love we're that. like I'm, I'm the biggest soppy. cynic, oh, no, usually, oh, and Zara I usually and hate hates
3: soppy. And I love like, this, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do because um, I absolutely pride myself and in that same sort of mentality, that no matter how bad life gets, that you can keep pushing through it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're the epitome of that, right? I and I so. love that about you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, we're, like, we're best friends now. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, we just kind of joined our lives together um, to go and conquer the world in the same fashion, I suppose.
2: Like, I could have said it better. <laughs> but, yeah, like he said, like our, you know, our world's sort of, we met and then we sort of did our own thing for six years. And even in that time, like, I always really valued Nick. Like, I'd see – we had each other on socials and I was always, like, so happy for him. Whatever was happening in his life, I was always, like, I'm glad, like, you're doing what you love and you're seeing you smile. And even just in those times and then to see him and then to reconnect and then now to be dating, you can understand why I love him so much because I've never met a man who's most – like, all I wanted was someone who was – I'm selfish. cares about other people more than himself, because I had never met that in a person, it especially a guy. Like, I'm not being mean to all oh, guys. I love them. <laughs> but um, I never met a dude that would put other people way before himself the way that I do. And yeah, he, he does like the smallest things. Like, I, I won't go too into it too much because <laughs> I don't want to embarrass him, but... Everything that's happened in my life, you know, I've thought about this. Everything that has happened in my life has literally led me to this man. And, like, we've spoken about it, but we literally are going to be together forever. Aww. Like, we're not here for the... Sh- it's the real deal. Sh- Yeah. But I love him because, like, last night we went to my friend's engagement. He didn't know anyone. It was my friend. I know that I can walk into an event or a room and... I don't have to babysit him. Yeah. And he literally makes friends with everyone. How That's is the that? best. Yeah. It's the best
1: quality. Being able to drop someone in a
2: room and be like, all right, off
1: you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And
2: he comes back and he's made like 10 billion friends. And then <laughs> everyone else is talking about him when we leave. Like They're not <laughs> talking about me. They're talking about him. Like He's the real... The real star. The star. Like, he's, yeah. yeah. So, I'm really fucking lucky. I honestly, like, do you want to hear something really spooky? When we were laying in bed one day, we were just chatting, and I was like, when is your birthday, babe? Like, because I didn't know. And he goes, 18th of May, which is my mum's anniversary. Oh, you're kidding. No joke. And I, like, literally was, like, so... In that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't move so you a Because yeah. I know it's only seems so little, but it's like my mum saying, hey, I sent you someone yeah. like. Oh,
0: yeah, that's, pretty, that's yeah. lovely.
1: Like, you guys are the best. Can <laughs> I ask what's next? Like what's coming up? I mean, obviously, you guys are going to be together forever.
0: <laughs> but what,
1: what is next?
2: What's the plan? We have so much planned, so much good stuff. I feel now that I've got someone who's like my rock, who backs me, I feel this confidence that I've never felt before. Like I can do all these wonderful things. And I know that he will be like, yes, I'm your number one fan. I'm your supporter. So we've got, you know, like we've got a trip coming up soon. Like Nick actually flies helicopters as a hobby. Like, Oh, as you do right. <laughs> So we want to travel and do remote community trips in the helicopter. So we're planning one where I used to work at, a, at an Aboriginal company who look after remote communities. We're going out and we're just going to spend some time. Obviously, I'm a youth worker, so I'll be spending time with the youth. And But, he'll, you know, we'll fly there and we'll get to explore and just really just dive deep into rural communities. Uh mm-hmm. oh, not you know to spend some time with the communities because the people out there don't have a lot and I think it'll be a bit of a grounding moment I think.
1: Brooke and Nick thank you so much for your time this morning you have uh, such an incredible story to tell and I'm so glad that we kind of got you in front of the microphone to tell it from where to glow Um, and you are doing some incredible work good luck for the Western Australian of the year awards and we will emcee the wedding.
3: Yeah, yeah thank you guys. Stay tuned. <laughs> thank you so much. You. Guys. You've been fantastic.
1: Oh, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this in conversation episode of Shameless. You can find the amazing Brooke Blurton on Instagram at brooke.blurton and us, of course, at
0: shamelesspodcast. We will see you guys on Monday.